Welcome to Nairobi Chapel Embakasi. We grow deep to reach wide. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the ho- to the holy city and set him on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, Throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Jesus answered, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the Lord left him, and the angels came to attend him. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, our Lord and Father. Amen. So today we will look at the pride of life, which is the second temptation that Jesus went through. And here, the devil told him, if you are the son of God, he said, Throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Jesus answered, It is written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. And as you are looking, this is a temptation of the pride of life. And would ask what the pride of life entails. And the pride of life entails any wicked desire motivated by pride, power, prestige, and popularity. Usually the pride of life says, I am important. I can handle it. I don't need any help. The pride of life is usually centered on self. It's about me, 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 myself, and I. And as you read the, the verse, you find that Satan told him, throw yourself, he will command your angels for sending you to lift. An interesting fact is that what Satan told him is part and parcel of the scripture. It, it speaks straight from the scripture. These were not just words Satan was using. He was using the scripture to tempt Jesus. And the scripture which he was using was Psalms chapter 91, verse 9 to 12. And I would ask someone to read so that you can see the words which are in Psalms and the word which Satan used. Anyone who can read for us, Psalms 91, verse 11 to 12. 
exactly those are the words it's like Satan just freed them from the, from the past and these words were said in Psalms the psalmist was telling us those who depend on the Lord those who dwell who say the Lord is their dwelling place this is what the Lord will do for, for them and Satan used that to tempt Jesus and the interesting thing was then how is it that Jesus told him do not put the Lord your God to the test because the words Satan used were true that's the true nature of God those who depend on the Lord that's what the Lord will do it if you start reading from the from verse 1 all through the book of Psalms 91 it's just telling us how God will cover his people those who depend on him so why did Jesus say that do not put the, the name of the Lord to the test and two things we'll notice that when you look at the, the pride of life one is that the devil will use scripture to tempt us the devil knows scripture and he will use it to try us and and this is something which is there obviously it's it's always there and i feel one of the verses which the devil has used during this time during this season in life is the verse from matthew 4 5 to 7 Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm moving faster than my, my thoughts. It's the, it's the verse from Matthew 22, 39. Matthew 20. I feel this is one of the verses the devil has used so much in, our, in this day and life for us to lead us astray. And which, these were the, the greatest commandments. Jesus was telling about the greatest commandments. And it was the second after loving our Lord your God with all your heart. This was the second one which was love your neighbor as yourself. And how has the devil used it in our, during our times? For most of us, I can say me included, we are focused on the second part of, the, of that verse, which is as yourself. Right now, most of us are focusing on loving ourselves, yet the commandment was love your neighbor as yourself. The key thing was loving the neighbor. And it's, I've been looking at the Bible, where does it, where is the word where God says how to love yourself? How to love yourself? And you find that in the Bible there's I don't know, maybe someone else has noticed, but this nowhere where God tells us how to love ourselves. All that we see is how to love others, how to love others. But Satan has coined it out, and right now we, most of us are speaking about self-love, self-love. I need to love myself first so that I can, I can, I can love others. But the thing is, We've coined that word. We've, we've fallen to the trap of Satan. Because us loving ourselves 
in my view, I feel that's a default setting for every human being. It's a default setting. We, we are, it's innate in us. It's, when you are born, there's that love for others. And that's why in the Bible, it was, they never focused on loving ourselves. It was more of loving others because that's where it's not normal. Yeah? It, you have to go far more than that. But I feel in this day and age, if we go to social media, that's where everyone is focusing on. Loving myself, I need to treat myself better. But is that how God intended us to be? And that we can put, because these are the same thing Satan is using. He'll just pick a part of the scripture and use that scripture to tempt you. But we know that in John 13, 35, Jesus said to his disciples, By this you will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So our trademark as believers is how we love others. How will people know that we are believers is how we will love others. It's not how we love ourselves. But this is where we've, we've, we've fallen and we've decided to, look, to love ourselves. And how do we love others? How do we love others? In Luke 6, 27 to 36, he said, But to you who is listening, I say, Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who ill-treat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to the other. This is the love as believers we, we need to portray. But most of us, me included, we focused on loving ourselves. On loving ourselves. Because we find that loving others is not default. You can imagine someone slapping you on one cheek and saying, It's not. But the one thing is that it's doable with Christ. It's doable because Christ gave us the power to do that. And we are told that this is who it's going to show that indeed you are, the true, you are a true believer of Christ. These are the actions when you do will show that you are a true believer of Christ. And we saw last, last week with David when he got Saul in, in the, Saul get, got in the cave. And even Saul himself said, who, when they meet an enemy, spares them. No, because David had the love of Christ and with that it showed that he was one with Christ. And I feel there are so many instances where the, the devil is using his word to tempt us. And sometimes even the, some words are being used, the word of God is being used out of context. Or someone misinterprets it in their own ways. And this is so much common in the WhatsApp group. The messages which have been usually sent on WhatsApp group and on social media. And there's one I saw where someone, you can just listen to this argument this person is making. 
based on the Bible. And he said, Jacob had 12 sons, eight from his two wives, Leah and Rachel, and two each from the maid housemaids of Leah and Rachel. And he was in, in favor with God. I am not telling men in this group anything. I was just reading the Old Testament. <laughs> Seriously. And this is someone, and, and you wanna like, okay, where is this coming from? Because even just from how it is, and, and some of us, he's used the, the Bible, but I like how someone responded to, 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 to this, and he, he said, he, he decided to quote the scripture, and he quoted Genesis 47.9. And this was when Jacob had, and the family had gone uh, to Egypt, and Pharaoh was meeting, was meeting them for the first time, and he asked, and he asked Jacob, so how old are you? And this was the response Jacob gave. The years of my pilgrimage are 130. My years have been few and difficult, and they do not equal to the years of the pilgrimage of my, of my fathers. The guy just took that quote and said, and he was meaning that even though all that you are saying Jacob did, how he viewed his life at the end of it showed that his life was hard and difficult. So it wasn't that all fast or that. And I believe that we are, we are believers. What are we But the question which we have is this. Do we know God's word to counter this lies of the enemy? Do, you know his, do we know his word so that when someone who sends such a message, you can be able to tell him, like, no, this is not what was meant in this verse. Do we know his word if you are put the same situation where Jesus was put when being tempted? We'll be confidently now to start and say, it is written. It is written. It is written. Because you see that in each of the three temptations Jesus went through, that was the response. He went back to the word. What does the word say? The word was his lens at which he was viewing life. The world was the lens at which he was interpreting all that was being said. And this is the question I would ask each and every one of us, me included. How sharp is our sword, the sword of the Spirit? And I'll ask, ask you to turn to your neighbor. Pastor. Turn to your neighbor and ask them, how sharp is your sword of the spirit? Because if you look at the armor of God, the sword of the spirit is the only part of the armor which is used to counter the lies of the enemy. They protect us. But for us to counter, it's only the sword. The shield in Yaku to protect, the helmet, the breastplate, the belt. But it's only the, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. 
That's the question. Is our sword sharp? Do, how, how often do we sharpen the sword of the Spirit we carry? Because we are soldiers in the army of the Lord. How often do we sharpen the sword of the Spirit? Do we do it daily? Do we do it weekly? Once in a while? When I feel like? Because that's the only tool which is able to counter the lies the enemy gives as we do this journey. And woe unto us when the enemy attacks and our sword is blunt. Woe unto us when the enemy attacks and we don't know how to handle the sword because we've, no, we've not been practicing handling the sword. And that's what Jesus used to counter the lies of the enemy because he had the word of God in his fingertips. He had, he had it in his fingertips. He didn't stammer, he didn't say, let me go look for my Bible. He just said, it is written. Because what he had done, he had hidden the word of the Lord in his heart. He had hidden the word of the Lord in his heart. Because he, he knew that out of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the heart, the mouth speaks. So, when your time of testing comes, what will come out of your mouth? It's what you've hidden in your heart. And do you, are you hiding God's word in your heart? Are you hiding God's word in our hearts? Because it's a, the psalmist say, I have hidden God's word in my heart that I may not sin against you. Because had Jesus not have hidden his word in the heart, then he will fall in the temptations. Because they are, like for the one, the pride of life, throw yourself. God has said he'll send angels to come grab you, your food will not. Yeah, it's true, it's the word. And he will do that. But he knew God's word. The second thing which we look in the verse is the motive. And I feel that's where Jesus told him, don't put the name of the Lord to test. It was the motive of the verse. That was what we, the thing which made Jesus not do what he was being told. It was the motive of the ask. Because as we've seen, the word which Satan used was actually from the, from the Bible. But what made it not applicable to be used was the motive Satan was using it. It was a test to God. It was testing God. And in this, it wasn't the name of God to be glorified in this. It was a self-serving ask. The motive was just self-serving. And I believe, as believers, that's where we are. What's the motives of our ask? When we pray to God and ask God to intervene in our, in our situations, what's the motive 
behind that. And I remember last month when we were doing the financial freedom, we were asked, why do you want to get to be financially free? And I believe that's what will make us either get the blessing or not. The motives of our heart, the motive of our heart. And we, and we find that God says, a man's way may seem good to him, but the Lord tests the heart. And this is Proverbs chapter 16, verse 2. All a man's ways seem pure to them, but motives are weighed by the Lord. I might do each and everything, good thing. I might be giving, I might be serving. But that wouldn't count a thing if my motives are not in line with God's motive. If all that I'm doing is for my own good, so that I may be seen, so that I may have a name, so that people may know me. If all I'm doing, that's the motive, then I'm missing out. I'm missing out. Because in each and everything, God weighs our motives. And in James chapter 4, verse 3, he said, When we ask, we do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your own pleasures. It's there. He will test your motives. He will test the state of your heart. How is your heart? Are you doing this for my glory or for your glory? And if he sees that your motives are for, for just you, then he won't. But if the end result is for him to be glorified, his name to be glorified, then he will do it. And with the day of social media, when we have the gram, Instagram, the things we do and what we post. I go to a children's school, I, I contribute, and then I come do it in Instagram. The question is, what was my motive when I'm doing that? Because if the motive for, for, for my pleasure, for I to be seen, for popularity, then I'm in the pride of life. And whatever I'm doing is not pleasing to God. And the blessings which were to come as a result of that, they'll be withheld because the name of the Lord is not glorified. And this has really challenged me. Even sometimes, even when, when I'm giving, even in my tithe and offering, I just ask myself, what's the motive of my heart? Lord, what's the motive of? Because I know we can do all the good things, but if our motives are not right to the Lord, then we miss out on each and everything. And these are the two things which we see in the pride of life. Do we know God's word to counter the lies of the enemy when he 
he tests us. And the second thing is, how is the state of our heart? Are we doing things just to, for the sake of doing, or are we doing things for the glory of God? And in Jeremiah 2.13, when God was talking to Jeremiah about the state of Israel, this is what he said. My people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and they have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. And that's where the pride of life takes us. The Lord has already given us the spring of living water from us to draw. And you remember when he told the Samaritan woman, whoever drinks from this well will never thirst again. But what the pride of life does, we decide that, Lord, this spring of, spring of living water you're giving us, it's not enough for us. We want to make it to create our own and drink from that. And in this journey, are we doing this journey, this believer, on our own strength? Are we doing it on our own ways, how I feel like, how I want to? Or are we doing in line with what God's word says? Are we doing it in what God's word says? And this is my prayer. This is my answer to you. Let us not build our own systems. Let us not build our own systems. But let's drink from the from the spring of living water because he who drinks from the spring of living water never thirsts. So as we come to a, an end of this sermon series, the believer's journey, what is it about the believer's journey? And I summarized it in just these three words. The believer's journey is just a walk of faith. The believer's journey is a walk of faith. And faith, as we are told in Hebrews, is confidence in what we hope for and assurance of what we do not see. That's Hebrews 11.1. 1. Faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance on what we do not see. All what we've been talking about in the last three weeks, they all amount to the work of faith. For us to know who this Jesus is, it's the work of faith. For us to know who we are in God's people, the sons and daughters of God, is an act of faith. For us to focus on the Lord each and every day, when things surrounding us are not working out, it's the work of faith. For us to master our bodies and to be in charge of our bodies and not our emotions, being in charge, it's the work of faith. 
for us to, go, to know God's work, God's word, to meditate, it's the work of faith. For, her, for us to have our motives right each and every time when we ask, it's the work of faith. Because God says that in Hebrews 11:6, and without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. And that's the cornerstone of a believer's journey, the faith. Because first, you need to believe that Jesus is God. That's faith. And it says in Luke 17:6, if you have a faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it will obey you. It all amounts to faith. Our journey as believers all amounts to faith. just words, it's the actions that we do. It's the work of faith. And this is how the work of faith looks like. What if it doesn't work for me? God has good plans for me. Plans not to harm me, but to give me a hope and a future. What if I lose my only source of income. God will meet my needs according to my glorious riches in heaven. When Satan comes to you with what ifs, and what ifs are the doubts which you will bring in your, in your side, the question is, are you able to stand and say, God will? What if all happens, God will? God will do it for me. And I believe in our journey as believers, there'll be many what ifs. What if, what if it doesn't work out? What if this is not what I, I prayed for? But the, the assurance that we have is God will. God will. And I, I just want to, to give you a challenge. Just Go write all your worries that you have. What if this happened? What if this happened? And I will tell you, when you go through scripture, there's an answer for each of the worries. Because there's nothing our Lord cannot do. There's nothing our Lord cannot do. And I will tell you, I have experienced him. I have experienced him. The other day I was looking and asking, Lord, I'm in consulting, and sometimes elections are coming, no jobs. I've been looking for, for plants are not coming, and I was asking God, like, Lord, how will, I, how will the bills be paid? How will the bills be paid? But I said, I'm trusting in you. You say you know my needs. I'm holding on to your word. 
and he did before end month. God was bringing jobs after job after job. And this, all this time I've been, I've been looking at and saying that, Lord, you are my Jehovah Jireh. When I say he's my Jehovah Jireh, I have seen him do it. I have seen him do it for me. And I believe that's the work of faith. Are we able to take him at his word and say, Lord, you say that you have good plans for me. Hey, things are not working out. Do we have that faith to say, Lord, it's you that I'm holding on to during this time. And I believe when you let him and you say, it's you, Lord, he will show up. He will show up and show off to the glory and honor of his name. And this is what we see. And I usually say, the Bible that we read each and every day, they are not mere words. The Bible we read each and every day, these stories of God doing miraculous stuff, they were not just written for us, for them to wow us, like, wow, hey, tuning over. The Lord split in the sea. But I believe these verses which God gave us were just to show us his power, to show us how, what he can do in our lives. Because he says that the, the same spirit which was able to raise Jesus from the dead, he's given each and every one of us in our hearts. That same, the power of that spirit, he has given each and every one of us. So the things which are written in the Bible, these are the same things us as believers are able to do if we tap on the power of God which is in us. Because if you look in the Bible, the people God was using, for instance, Peter, was a normal person like me and you. He was a fisherman. But look at the exploits he was able to do because he was tapping to the power that was in him. And I believe each and every one of us, we can be able to do that. I've been doing a time when I'm looking at, I read the Bible and say, Lord, I want to experience what has been said in the Bible in my life. I want to experience it because I believe you are the same God who was and is and is to come. And the prayer Habakkuk made is the same prayer I usually make this time in Habakkuk chapter 3 verse 2. He said, Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds. Lord, repeat them in our day. In our times, make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. This is the prayer I usually make. Lord, let it not just be stories which we are reading for, but may you do it in our times. May you do it in your times. The way Moses was able to tap the, the, the rock and water came out of, of the rock, I want to see it in, your in our times. Because you are the same God. You never change. You did it then, you're doing it now, you'll do it tomorrow. And I believe if as believers we're able to walk in this power that the Lord has given us, 
we can do great exploits. We can do a great exploits. For us to be, you know, Hile Moses and Abraham, the guys would say, we want to know the God of Abraham. We want to know the God of Isaac. What if we tap in this God and say, people walk and say, we want to know this God of Lawi, we want to know this God of John, because of what they have seen the Lord do in their life. And I believe it's, it's possible in this journey. It is possible. And I would say, for us to be able to show up daily in this believer's journey, I believe these are critical things which need to be in your travel bag. As you do this journey, these are the critical things which should be in your travel bag. And for the ladies, it will be the makeup bag. These are because obviously you can't, you need each, each, each and every day for you to, to use them. And one thing is prayer. As a believer, prayer should be part of your day-to-day -day life. We need to constantly communicate to Lord. We need to pour our, our hearts out to Him. We need to talk to Him about our fears, our troubles, our worries, our joy. Prayer is what takes us to, the, to His presence. And the goodness about His presence is that there's no condemnation, there's forgiveness. In His presence, there's the unconditional love and not fear. And this is the one of the verses I ask myself when at times you've been praying but things are not moving. And in Psalms 94.9 says, Does he who fashioned the ear not hear? Does he who formed the eye not see? And this is the question I ask as you pray. Do you think the one who fashions the ear, doesn't hear your, your prayers. He who made from the eye, does he not see the, the tears you cry each and every time? He sees them. He sees them. And he says in Psalms 34, 15, for the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to your cry. The Lord, we serve a God who hears our prayers. We serve a God who sees the tears in our eyes. And they are not in vain. He responds. He responds to the cry and tears of our heart. And in Isaiah 45, 19, he says, I publicly proclaim bold promises. I do not whisper obscurities in some dark corner. I would not have told the Israelites to seek me if I couldn't be found. I am the Lord. I, the Lord, speak only what is true and declares only what is right. He says, he wouldn't have asked us to seek him, to pray to him if he, he wasn't found. Ask and it shall be given unto you. 
Seek and you shall find it. Knock at the door, it shall be opened unto you. In our believers' journey, we need to pray. Seek him each and every day. And he says, he didn't tell you to seek him if he wasn't found. He will find you will find him and he will answer your prayers. So continue praying persistently. Don't give up. He will respond. The second in our toolkit is the word of God. I don't need to emphasize much on that. It says in Hebrews, for the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing the soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of our heart. I believe us reading the word of God, when you read the word of God, definitely you have there be some changes. You can't read the word of God and remain the same. Because the word of God is active. It penetrates deeper in our souls and our spirit. And for us to do this work efficiently, for us to walk with our heads held high, we need to read the word of God. As we said, it's the sword of the spirit. It's the only weapon God gave us that is able to counter the lies of the enemies. The third thing, it's testimonies. Speaking and reminding ourselves of the testimony God has done in our lives. This is one area I'm working on and I learned during this season and I find it's very powerful. It's very powerful because it says the Hebrew root word of testimony is do it again. The root word, Hebrew root word for our testimony is do it again. So when we remember what the Lord has done for ourselves, when we speak of God's testimonies, it's just telling God, Lord, do it again. Do it again. And there's a book which I was reading, and it was saying that the testimonies of God are tools that equip us to walk in our purpose. The testimony of God, there are two folds. It has a twofold purpose. One, they reveal the nature of God and how He does things, His ways. And secondly, the testimonies of God, this awareness of who God is creates an expectation in our hearts for God's ways to be manifested in our lives. So when we speak and we remember of God's testimonies, one, it shows us His ways, how He does His things, and second, it creates an expectation in us for us to experience his ways. And you can remember the Israelites were being told that tell these stories to your children and to your children of who this God is. And there's a time they forgot about that and they came a generation who never knew the God 
who have done the things. So in this journey as a believer, may you, even in your hard times, may you remember the Lord, what he's done for us. And not just the testimonies we share, even the testimonies we read in the word of God. Because the word of God is The things he was able to do, he's able to, to do them now. And I usually like the stories in Chronicles, when he talks about the kings. There are so many victories the kings in Chronicles were able to, to achieve, which were they were not of their own. It's the Lord who fought for them. You can remember the story of Jericho, the walls of Jericho. These guys were able to get into Jericho without <laughs> even a, a sword. Or, and when you read Chronicles, sometimes you ask God, hey God, how is this? You go to a war with a, a port, with a tramp. Things, instead of carrying sword, you are carrying other stuff. And that's who our God is. Are we able to tap on those testimonies and say, Lord, you need it then, may you do it in our time. Are we able to share our testimonies with others on what the Lord is doing in our lives with others? Because it says that when we forget to talk about his testimonies, then the expectation of seeing God act is diminished. But when you constantly talk about testimonies that the Lord is doing in our lives, our expectations to see God show up and show off his power is heightened. So it's, it's usually said in the book, it says, when you talk less of what the Lord has done for you, you will expect less and you will experience less. But if you talk more about what the Lord is, do, is doing in you, what the Lord has done for you, you expect more because you, you have the expectation, God, may you do it again. And that expectation makes you experience more of God's power. And that's why I say what we've read in the Bible, they can still happen to us in our day. If we just go back and remember them, go back and speak them out to others and share them to others. And the issue is, and this, I can learn that sometimes we forget to talk about the testimonies God has taken us through, the difficulty God has. We forget how he came through for us and we find that we encounter the same challenge and we are worried, yet the Lord has done it before for us. But it's because we've stopped talking about it, stopped thinking, stopped remembering about it, so that a small, similar instance makes us get worried, yet we can just tap on the Lord and say, Lord, you did it then, may you also do it again. I am sure that you will do it again. So, the third toolkit, may we always remember the testimonies God has given in our lives. And lastly, let us walk in a community of believers. Let's not do it alone. We are told that we were we thrive in communities. 
God said it wasn't good for man to be to be alone, not just man and a wife, but a human being. We are not created to be alone. We are called, created into to be in communities. So let's walk with other believers. Because it's a journey, it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. It will take time and you need people to encourage you. You need people to hold you accountable, to walk with you, to encourage you. And this even we see it in the, in the Bible. Jesus, with all his power, didn't, didn't do his ministry on his own. He had his disciples to do it. So let us, as we do the journey of believers, let's do it with others. Others who share the same values and beliefs that we have. And I believe God is able to take us far with that because say when you want to walk fast, you walk alone, but with others we can go far. And I believe with our community of believers working with us, then we can be able to do great exploits. And that's what we are trying to do with the men of Emakasi. If we can do this journey of masculinity together and see God manifest in ways we never thought or imagined. So this is my conclusion. As we do the journey, let's not focus on the journey alone, but also let's remember where we are headed to our destination. Our destination as believers. And I say one is for us to be the salt and the light of this world, for us to do what God intended us to do in this world. But the overall destination, the overall prize we look for as we do this journey of believers is for us to be given the crown of faith and the Lord telling us, welcome home, good and faithful servant. That's the ultimate goal for this journey as a believer. And just as I began the series, I was saying, in this journey it will not be smooth. We'll encounter trouble, but let's be of cheerful hearts, because the Lord has overcome the world, and He wears the victor's crown. He wears the victor's crown. Glory and honor to His name. Join us every Sunday from 11 a.m. at Trubani House off Airport North Road. Have a blessed week.